What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Let's kick this thing off. Alexander Leichman is the CEO and co-founder of River Financial. Prior to that, he was the engineer and an investor at Polychain Capital and the security software engineer at Airbnb. In this conversation, we discuss what River Financial does, why they only focus on Bitcoin, how it is going so far, why so many boomers are using their servers to buy Bitcoin, what self-custody products they offer, and how he sees the current economic situation. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is a new one, Tiny. Do you ever want to sell your wonderful internet business? Well, Tiny partners with founders to give them quick, straightforward exits that protect their team and their culture. They'll make an offer within one week. That's right, just one week they'll make an offer, they'll close the deal within a month, and they'll keep your business operating for the long term. Andrew from Tiny has been on the podcast. He's incredibly thoughtful. Everyone loved the episode. And now they're sponsoring this because they want to find people who want to sell their businesses. Tiny's doing it right. I couldn't recommend them enough. So go get in touch with them at tinycapital.com. Again, tinycapital.com. And they'll let you know within a couple of days whether you're a fit for them or not. If you want to sell your business and you want somebody who's not going to be a pain in the ass during the process and they're going to take care of it once they've bought it, go check out tiny, tinycapital.com. Next up is Masterworks. Did you know that 1% of day traders actually turn a profit? Well, that's a tough look for people like Wall Street bets. So why are so many of us mistaking picking stocks for serious investing? You can't control the markets, but you can control your risks. So how do billionaire investors like Steve Cohen control their risk? They invest in blue chip art. If that sounds unusual to you, you're not alone. But the ultra wealthy have been investing in art for centuries. From 2000 to 2018, art outperformed the S&P by an incredible 180%. Imagine being able to invest in the very same paintings as millionaires and billionaires, but at a fraction of the cost. Masterworks is an exclusive platform that makes it as easy as trading stocks online. They do fractional shares of expensive art. And the best part is you don't need to know a ton about art. They've got experts that are on hand and will help you create a custom portfolio to meet your investment needs. With Masterworks, you don't have to choose between big risks and big returns. You can buy investments in works by artists like Banksy's and others, and even get a piece of your favorite artist. So go sign up today at masterworks.io. Again, masterworks.io and use promo code POMP. And that will allow you to skip their 25,000 person wait list. Go to masterworks.io, use promo code POMP, skip their entire wait list just because you listened to this podcast and go start earning and or owning fractional shares of art today. Lastly, don't forget that I write a daily letter to over 80,000 investors about business technology and finance. I break down complex topics into easy to understand language while sharing my personal opinion on various aspects of each industry. You can subscribe at pompletter.com, pompletter.com. That's it. If you want to sell your business, go check out tiny, tinycapital.com. If you want to own fractional shares of expensive art, go to masterworks.io. And if you want the daily letter that I send, go to pompletter.com. Let's get into the episode with Alexander. I hope you guys enjoy this one. 
Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. Super excited to have Alex here. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Thanks for having me, Pomp. Absolutely. So you built uh, one of the most fascinating companies uh, in crypto. You're a Bitcoin-only business. We'll get to that in a second. But before we kind of jump into River Financial, talk to us a little bit about your background, kind of what you did before you started the company. So I got into Bitcoin because of an interest I had as an undergraduate in university. I studied aerospace engineering at University of Maryland, but was really interested in economics. Eventually, I read a paper called The Denationalization of Money by Friedrich Hayek, and got really obsessed with this idea of building a financial institution that offered private money. I thought I would make my own money someday, backed by commodities or something like that. But then I started going down that rabbit hole and realized that there's a lot of challenges trying to do it yourself. Uh, I saw what happened to Liberty Dollar, uh, Liberty Reserve. It didn't end too well for them. So when I discovered Bitcoin, I was like, holy cow, You know, this fulfills the prophecy. It's neither private nor government controlled. It's this new system, new paradigm we've never seen before, but it's fascinating. And I became instantly obsessed. And so I moved to Silicon Valley at the end of 2013 and been been out there pretty much ever since, working mostly in the Bitcoin space. And then started River about a year and a half ago. Um, before that was working, I, I went to actually, I went to grad school out there. I helped TA the first Bitcoin class at Stanford. I uh, also worked at a uh, in investment fund called Polychain Capital, helping them lead some of their uh, Bitcoin investments and also helping them build some of the technical infrastructure to help them manage um, manage their assets. Uh, and so, yeah, I've had quite a fun time out there. Absolutely. And so when you left uh, Polychain and you decided to go and build River, what was the general impetus uh, for, for wanting to start a company and kind of what was that initial idea as to, hey, this is what I'm going to go build? So the initial impetus was kind of the itch I had back as an undergrad to, to build this financial institution. I had seen a lot of people in the space build exchanges and focus on offering access to multitudes of cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, the big long tail Coinbase had started with Bitcoin and then, and then expanded very quickly, you know, to supporting as many coins as possible. And I had never seen anyone go down the route of actually focusing only on Bitcoin and building more of a bank looking institution around it and going deep on Bitcoin and brought across financial services. I felt like the exchange business was really cool, but it, it's really, I, I see it as a local maximum. And the global maximum is building a Bitcoin financial institution. And so I, you know, all these other companies went right and no one went left. And I, you know, I saw that as a big opportunity. And that's the whole hypothesis behind River. Got it. And so what did you build first? And kind of um, also talk a little bit about like why Bitcoin only? Yeah, so uh, so right now we're a Bitcoin brokerage and uh, custodian in 31 states. So we focus on the, the higher end of the market, the mass affluent to the ultra high net worth individuals. And we make it really, really easy for people to buy Bitcoin and securely custody that Bitcoin. Over the next year, we'll be expanding across financial services, um, provi- providing things like, um, well, we already provide access to uh, self-custody services. And then other things like tax advantaged accounts, lending, and, and other financial services that, that banks 
uh, offer. Um, so, you know, starting, uh, starting the company in 2019 uh, was a very interesting experience. And then the transition between the 2019 era to the 2020 era uh, in, into the COVID era has been very fascinating. And um, it, it's been a pretty crazy ride. Yeah, talk a little bit about maybe uh, other companies in the space. They've gone on to add other assets than just Bitcoin. Um, you guys have kind of held steady on Bitcoin only. Um, how do you look at those other businesses? Do you think that those are uh, kind of, hey, that's for each company to kind of make their own decision? Do you think that that's a, a bad strategy? Just talk through that a little bit. So the way we view this is that being Bitcoin only is economically in our interest and allows us to move much faster than the competition. Because we focus on Bitcoin only, we can provide unique features that our competitors can't. For example, we offer access to the Lightning Network. Uh, we have this cool feature where you can um, connect a hardware wallet and see all your Bitcoin that you self-custody. And then when you buy Bitcoin in River, you can easily transfer it to your hardware wallet and see all the tax lot information transferred as well. All these little things that we do would be orders of magnitude more complicated to do if we supported multiple cryptocurrencies. Just adding one more cryptocurrency to a product like ours four to 10 X's, the complexity of the systems on the back end that we have. And so we see it as a massive com competitive advantage. Um, we see this long tail of assets that these other companies are focused on kind of just providing trading services for as kind of interesting things to, you know, bet on or gamble on. But really, um, we don't see it as money. We see Bitcoin as money. And so if Bitcoin is the next money of the world, somebody needs to build the next banking services around Bitcoin. And that's why we're focused on Bitcoin, because we don't see any other asset that sits at that level. Um, additionally, as a business, our goal is do one thing and do it well, right? And why spread ourselves thin across 100 different cryptocurrencies when the vast majority of people only really want Bitcoin? And that's what we rarely get asked by our customers even to support other cryptocurrencies. So that wouldn't really make sense for us. Absolutely. One of the things that you've been able to kind of build out is this white glove service, right? It really makes people feel special. It really kind of uh, seems like, hey, River cares. Talk a little bit about that process and kind of how that came to fruition and, and how you guys executed. Because I've seen people posting the photos online and, and it just looks, you know, really cool. It's kind of a, a short way to say it. So one of the biggest shortcomings we saw from existing cryptocurrency companies before starting River was the client services and the client experience. I knew of people with lots of money on Coinbase who couldn't even get anybody on the phone. Um, can you imagine, you know, wiring millions of dollars to a financial institution before ever talking to somebody that works there? Uh, and, and yet that's what a lot of these Silicon Valley kind of startups expect people to do. Um, so we saw that and saw that one of the biggest barriers preventing people from buying Bitcoin was the fact that there wasn't a company out there that just had really good service uh, because it, Bitcoin is very intimidating. And from a business perspective, the way we view our client services is if we can make Bitcoin much less intimidating for people, we can grow our business really well. And, and so that's really the goal with our client services is to, is to take away the intimidation from Bitcoin, make people feel, uh, appreciated and uh, and that we don't take their business for granted and um, and earn their business. Got it. And so talk through kind of who's buying now and, and how is it going so far? You've been at it for 18 months and any metrics you can share um, or, or kind of any updates in terms of how it's actually going? So 
we are, we see the full spectrum of clients at River. However, uh, most of our volume, um, in fact, probably I'd say 70% or so of our volume comes from people over the age of 50. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of older people are buying Bitcoin right now in significant sums. Um, in absolute terms, significant sums, they typically start with a small percentage of their own assets. But if you look at the, the wealth in the United States and the wealth in the world, you know, most of it is held by older people, which is kind of natural because older people have had longer to accumulate wealth. So um, it, as, as COVID and the, the subsequent social instability and economic uncertainty that has uh, come from that has really been a big catalyst for a lot of these older people deciding to finally buy Bitcoin. And it's for a number of different reasons. Um, some of them, their own family has been through wealth confiscation, you know, in, in other parts of the world, and they viscerally understand how important it is to have assets that they can completely control and, you know, get out quickly if something were to really go south fast. Um, other people who have significant amounts of assets kind of, they ask themselves, well, let's see, you know, 99% of my wealth is tied to assets that, you know, are real estate equities, things that are very locked down to the, the the United States. And if something did happen in the United States, God forbid, you know, what could I get out so that me and my family would have something? And, and you know, there's gold in Bitcoin and gold has its own set of challenges, like good luck getting a lot of that out. So, um, and, and then, and then third, I, the third category is really people who just see it as an uncorrelated asset in a world where it's unclear where your money should be. I mean, stocks are all time highs, but it's unclear why, because, the markets, I mean, there's look at all the unemployment and the economic, you know, uncertainty that we face. Uh, that's not really justified. They're printing trillions of dollars every year now. Um, so where do they, where do I put my money? I mean, there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin. That's pretty simple. And so, you know, we see a lot of different, you know, paths people take towards Bitcoin, um, but all of them kind of are around this idea of like increasing instability. Got it. And when the people come in, it sounds like they're making kind of a small purchase and then they kind of crank up um, in terms of larger and larger purchases. Uh, any idea from the clients that you guys have where they're getting to from a uh, portfolio percentage standpoint? Are we talking about getting to 1% allocations, 5%? Are people at the age of 50 going to 25%? Like, like any ideas there where they're actually getting? I think they're typically starting around 1% and then going anywhere between 5 to 10% uh, is what we've seen largely. Um, there are, there are the unique people who do go further, the, the ones who are really into Bitcoin, but we're also in the very early innings here. So it, and, and, and all of our clients are, are on a, on, on a journey and they're all in different steps of the journey. So that's what we've seen so far, but who knows where that will go longer term. So, um, but, but so far we don't see most older people going all in. What do you think it'll take to change uh, that, right? Like, what will it take to get the older people to go all in? Well, I don't think, I think most of them, I, I doubt most of them will ever be 100% in Bitcoin. I mean, they, they own properties and businesses. Those are big parts of their net worth. And those aren't things that they would necessarily replace with Bitcoin. Um, I think really the, the bigger question is, uh, you know, how, how will more more older people or, or more people in general get exposed initially exposed to bitcoin and and why aren't people buying bitcoin today who you know who otherwise might um if you look at the numbers um you know about 
especially in the older demographic, um, only about 10% of the people who are interested in buying Bitcoin actually have it. And so an interesting question is like, well, why haven't they bought it? And I think it's really, it's just very intimidating. Younger people have internet communities to, that, that they have access to, to ask questions and socialize. If you think about the average older person, you know, they're not on Twitter every day. They're not on Reddit every day. So they have this curiosity in Bitcoin, but none of their friends know anything about it. No one they know knows anything about it. So they're kind of just on their own island. And I think um, the question is, how do you reach them on that island? And uh, that's what we try and do. And I think that's also, there's a big opportunity for, you know, content creators like yourself to to reach these folks. Because we've noticed a lot of them, when they find a podcast, they also really love listening to podcasts. Yeah, it make, makes a lot of sense. And, and I guess as you guys kind of see these people um, trickle in, it feels like there's an entire demographic of people who they know they should own Bitcoin. Like they've already decided, yes, this would be a good idea. But the action of going to buy it, it's almost like they've mentally convinced themselves, oh, that's the decision I should make, uh, but they don't execute. Do you see kind of the service-based approach that you guys have taken? Does that break down that barrier? Does that make it easier for people? Um, or do they kind of look at it as, hey, this is no different than an exchange. It just happens to have a phone number attached that I can call. The, the human element 100% breaks down the barrier. Uh, at the end of the day, everyone, I think, really appreciates human engagement with the business, especially when it's positive, uh, a, a positive experience. And we just we see our goal as educating our, our prospective clients, whether or not they decide to buy Bitcoin or not. We don't give them, we don't give financial advice. We don't tell people you should buy Bitcoin. Our, our job is to educate people about Bitcoin and make it easy as possible for them to do so if they wanted to buy it. And um, so I think 100% though, uh, the human element that we add to the experience is, is the game changer. Got it. You guys also have a uh, self-custody product for what I understand. Talk a little bit about what you guys are doing on the custody side. So one of the things that is big in the Bitcoin ethos is having the ability to fully control your own wealth. And our, our motto here at River is we want to be the company that you can trust, but you don't have to trust. So our goal is to make it as easy as possible for our clients to self-custody their own Bitcoin if they ever wanted to. And, and removing the barriers to self-custody that are there. Right now, it's very challenging to do so. So one of the products we built out was um, a deep harbor wallet integration with River. So when you set up your River account and you buy Bitcoin, uh, you can actually uh, connect a hardware wallet and uh, pull in all of the information from that hardware wallet into your River account. So you can see all of the coins that you custody yourself. And all the coins that River custodies on your behalf. And so then when you buy Bitcoin and River, you can actually transfer over the Bitcoin to your Harbor wallet with a click of a button because we've actually, we have the ability to generate new addresses for you to view all your historical transactions and then in self-custody those coins yourself without losing any visibility into the tax data um, and, and the balance. So if you have a ledger and you have your River at Bitcoin, uh, you have your Bitcoin at River, you can see all of the Bitcoin at once when you log into River, whether you control it or we do. I'm assuming people love that. It's been pretty popular. It's a beta feature. We're still working out some of the little UI things. It's really non-trivial because no one's really done this before. So it's you know there's a, a lot of user research that we've had to do to learn kind of how to uh, how to describe what this is to to new users. One of the biggest fears we have is you know someone connects their ledger and thinks that we have their Bitcoin now and they can just throw their ledger away. 
right? Because uh, a lot of people don't really know the ins and outs of how this stuff works. So getting that stuff, those little things right, is, is what we're working on uh, before, we, before we take this out of beta. And we also have a mobile app coming out soon. So if you connect your, if you connect your ledger to your River account, then on the go, like you just open your phone, you can see your whole Bitcoin stack uh, on your River app, even if, even if you're custodying it. Got it. And in terms of um, seeing a lot of uh, kind of customers come in, use these different products, what are the features or products that they want that you guys haven't yet built, but kind of are th think are interesting or on the roadmap? The app is a big one. So we've been working all summer on getting a mobile app out. And that's one of the biggest pieces of feedback we've gotten. Um, we actually do regular, we, we started tracking um, NPS uh, recently. So net promoter score to get feedback from our clients about would they recommend us to a friend and if not, why? And so we, we collect all these responses about, you know, what customers want from us. Um, we have a really high NPS score, actually. Uh, it's, it's 74, which is pretty high up there. Uh, for example, Charles Schwab is in the 50s. Um, so, you know, we're doing pretty well. But, but in terms of what people have said that, you know, is still missing, another big one is um, when you buy Bitcoin from us, you can buy it in one of two ways. You can wire us the funds and buy that Bitcoin. That's what people do for larger orders, like 25,000, 50,000 plus. And those Bitcoin are available to withdraw immediately. But most people, they buy via ACH. So they connect their bank account and just click buy. And then we actually front the money to buy those Bitcoin for people. And um, you can buy 24 seven, but it takes six to 20 business days for that Bitcoin to settle in your account meaning you can't withdraw that Bitcoin for some time period. So we're really focused on, 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 on shrinking that settlement time because a lot of people want to be able to access their Bitcoin faster um, and get it off the platform faster. So that's one of the other big pieces of feedback that we've been trying to address. Um, and, that, and a lot of that is just in all of the backend systems that we have to build. And then um, another big one has been uh, uh, like earning, earning like yields on Bitcoin has been something people have asked for. Um, IRAs are, is another popular one, being able to buy Bitcoin into an IRA. Uh, it, you know, a lot of people, you can actually, if you have an IRA LLC, you can already buy Bitcoin and River through your IRA LLC. But, um, it, you know, that's something that's definitely very interesting to people who want to buy Bitcoin in a tax-advantaged way. Yeah. It, talk a little bit about uh, kind of building the company itself, like the team. Uh, you've done this in the heart of a global pandemic and economic shock. Uh, it seems like everything that could possibly go wrong in the world has gone wrong in 2020. Um, how has that been just as, as kind of the founder of a company and, and building out that team? Um, and have you guys made any changes that, that are material in terms of how you've thought about that? So when we raised our latest financing, we raised it in the depths of the pandemic, like the worst days of the pandemic. Uh, I was on the phone with investors. We pulled it off. We were one of the very lucky few companies that was actually able to pull off a fundraising then. Um, and one of the saving graces for us was that if anything was going to be like the black swan that came out of this mess, uh, the phoenix coming out of the, you know, the ashes, it would be Bitcoin. And I think that's where we were seeing that happening. That said, you know, it hasn't been all smooth. I mean, COVID brings, has brought its own set of challenges. Um, you, you know, increasing, building a product organization that is effective in a remote environment is tough. You know, there's so much that you get just from being in the same room and eating a meal with somebody. Ideas just spark. And 
being able to replicate that online is very, very challenging. And um, so there, that's been a big focus of ours is just figuring out how to, you know, build good remote teams. Uh, and then on top of that, I think um, in many ways, this COVID thing has kind of been good for business. Uh, it, you know, it, it's driven a lot of trends that are in Bitcoin and are, that, are, that are tailwinds for Bitcoin. But, um, you know, so, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the day here with the fallout of all of this. I think it's still very early and, you know, the next decade we'll, we'll see what, what, <laughs> what the end result is. Yeah, it, it's fascinating to me how teams are having to kind of figure this out in real time. Uh, thankfully, a lot of the products, though, are, are in place or platforms are in place to allow uh, some of this kind of remote communication. I had a friend who basically said, imagine if all of this happened and we didn't have uh, the internet or, you know, so, some of this technology, like what would people do, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, and, you know, we're seeing some other, some other, like, it's also accelerating the move away from cash which is, you know, it's kind of scary, right? Because cash is one of these ways you can use money anonymously and securely. And now it's dry. This is driving a trend towards everyone, you know, kind of having money. Uh, everyone's transactions are now kind of accessible to the surveillance apparatus. And so privacy is a, is a big, we're, we're losing a lot of privacy, you know, as a country. And so, you know, how, how does Bitcoin come in and, and replace that gap? I don't know. Like we, we still have to see um, what else can help, you know, bring back some of the privacy as things are just really forced online during this era of COVID. So these are things we're trying to pay attention to as well and see what opportunities there are there. Um, because, you know, there, there are very interesting problems, new problems in society that we didn't have a year ago that um, I think people are just starting to wrap their heads around. For sure. Talk a little bit about the economic situation. You mentioned that there's a lot of people buying Bitcoin, maybe out of fear um, or concern. Uh, how do you guys see this unfolding? And, and it sounds like you're pretty bullish in terms of Bitcoin's outlook uh, kind of coming out of all this. Uh, absolutely. I think this has been brought a lot of people's attention to Bitcoin. Uh, the, the biggest thing, the best thing Bitcoin has going for it is that there's only ever going to be 21 million. Everyone understands that. Everyone understands there's only ever going to be 20 million Bitcoin. Uh, the, the federal government just printed $2 trillion this year. So you have all these people sitting on a lot of cash thinking, well, what the heck am I doing with all this cash when they're just printing it out of thin air? Where do I put it? Um, and I think that's like, I think just like that meme, that narrative is, is the game changer, you know, 21 million. It, 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 and so, um, I, I think that's going to be the best thing Bitcoin has going for it over the next few years as every country in the world just prints unlimited amounts of money. And uh, gold kind of is the gold is the historical, you know, hedge that people use. But um, in the computer era, you know, as everything comes online, I think people are are increasingly going to start looking at Bitcoin over gold. Yeah, I think it's uh I think it's headed in that direction. That's for sure. Uh, one of the things, I don't know if you even remember this story, but I want to tell it on here when uh, when we set this up is uh, I went out to uh, to see you in, uh, when I was in San Francisco, came to the office, uh, you, a bunch of your co-founders and, and employees. Um, and we were sitting there and somebody basically was like, hey, come, come into the office, right? So we're sitting in the conference room and I walked in and I'll never forget that your office was littered. 
And I'm, when I talk about littered, I mean literally all over the place with uh, Venezuelan Bolivars, with uh, what is it, Zimbabwe dollars. I mean, just all kinds of these currencies that have failed that I think just bought off eBay. Maybe talk a little bit about like, where did you get this stuff from? Why was there so much of it laying around the office uh, and kind of what you guys do with it? Yeah, so we have a lot of stacks um, of kind of look like if Floyd, May if Floyd Mayweather lived in Zimbabwe, uh, it's kind of what our office looks like sometimes. Uh, we get stacks of like trillion dollar bills, $10 billion bills uh, all over the office. We, we have different suppliers for these, um, but we, we give these to customers and, and people who visit the office. It's, it's kind of our thing. And um, it is, we, we send it to, to many new clients uh, with, with a welcome package. And as a reminder of, you know, what can happen to government money and what kind of inevitably happens with government money. And uh, we, you know, we have a lot of things in our office to also just like build the culture of the team and re-remind everybody why we're doing this, right? Our goal is to bring sound money, access to sound money to people all over the world. And, um, you know, for another example of this is we have a, a, a poster of Executive Order 6102 in our office, which is the order that Franklin Roosevelt um, the executive order Franklin Roosevelt issued to confiscate people's gold in the United States. Um, my, my, my co-founder, um, Andrew, who's also my cousin, uh, our great grandfather had his gold confiscated by Franklin Roosevelt. Um, so, you know, these things are, these things happen and they inevitably happen whenever there's a centrally controlled money that you can just arbitrarily print more of. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just core to who we are. And we, we like to remind our clients of that. I love that. Uh, before I go to wrap up, where can people find you on uh, the internet or find more about uh, river? So we're river.com. It's really easy to find, uh, you know, check out, check out the website. Um, I'm really easy to reach uh, at alex at river.com or check out my Twitter. I'm at Leishman, um, L E I S H M A N. And uh, yeah. So if you ever have any questions about Bitcoin or, just want to talk shop, want to learn more about River, feel free to reach out. Always happy to talk. How'd you get the river.com URL? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, so we went through a period last year uh, where we had to rebrand. And we, uh, we went through a three-month process of trying to figure out a new name. And we worked with a domain broker to go through just probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of uh, domains that were available that had a name that we would want. And I saw River on one of the lists uh, after probably two months. And I was like, there's no way we could afford this, but like, let's see. Um, let's see what, we, and so, uh, you know, the guys selling it had owned it since the early 90s. And um, the price was actually kind of like reasonable and it for us it was a no-brainer you know we pulled the trigger and haven't looked back and couldn't be happier with, with our name will you say how much uh no <laughs> okay fair fair, less, fair. less than voice.com <laughs> for those that don't know voice.com uh was bought but for 30 billion dollars from michael saylor who's the ceo of uh, microstrategy and recently put 85 percent of his balance sheet into bitcoin uh which is a pretty crazy story in itself 
Um, all right. So I'm glad you spent less than $30 million. That That's a uh, zero to 30 million is not a big range at all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, same two questions for everybody. And then you get asked me one to, uh, to finish up. First one is uh, your favorite book or most important book you've read of all time. The Richest Man in Babylon. My dad read it to me when I was a kid. Never forgot it. That is a fantastic. I always say there's three books for me: Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Richest Man in Babylon, and Think and Grow Rich. So uh, that that uh, that's a great one. Uh, aliens, believer or non-believer? Believer. Why? I think that we're not alone in this universe. I think that at some point we'll discover why we haven't been contacted. Um, but I think we're just at such so early in our civilization that wrapping our head around the whys is is too difficult. Aliens might might exist in different dimensions, um, might exist in a reality that we don't quite comprehend. Uh, so that's why I'm super interested in space exploration, but also just like fun, deeply increasing our fundamental understanding of physics. I think we just have so much further to go in the fundamental sciences and um, we'll discover things that blow our minds hundreds of years from now. I think that you're closer to uh, to being accurate than not. So it's uh, it's it's amazing, right? I, I uh, somebody sent me an article. Um, who was it? Oh, the founder of uh, Athletic Brewing, one of the uh, the sponsors on the podcast. Shout out to Athletic Brewing. Uh, they the founder sent me a article about fusion um, and the ability to try to get the heat and energy of a star recreated here on Earth. It blew my mind. Like you start reading about this stuff, right? And it's like, you know, they haven't done it yet, but they're getting closer and closer. And you're just like, wait till somebody figures out how to do that. And then can you create like fusion power plants so that you have, you know, eternal energy sources? And it's like, just like, okay, this is going to be wild. (laughs) Hopefully I'm alive for that one, right? (laughs) Uh, You get to ask me one question to finish up. What one question you got for me? When will the first central bank buy Bitcoin or have they already? I think they already have. Yeah, I think that it's probably a nefarious uh, actor like a Venezuela, uh, an Iran, uh, North Korea, somebody like that. Uh, But I think for sure they already have. Uh, Publicly, I think Venezuela said they were thinking about it, like adding it as a reserve asset. But I I think we're past the point of somebody buying it. I think the, the more nuanced question is like, when will the first superpower central bank do it? Um, and my guess is that we're years away, you know, five years away or something like that. Okay. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I probably agree. There's maybe some fringe central bank that's bought a little bit. Um, and I think that someone has to catalyze the first central bank to buy Bitcoin. I don't think it's just going to happen. And so, you know, I think, um, I think maybe one of the questions just for, for people in Bitcoin is, you know, what, what do we all need to build to like really push this to the next level? And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how I think. So, uh, I've got this theory that the only way a lot of this is going to happen is for, uh, Bitcoiners to get into these positions. Right. Exactly. So, so like at what point do we get, I don't know, seven or eight of, I think the 12 federal reserve governors are Bitcoiners. I always say Bitcoin is an individual story. You know, every institution that's going to have a massive allocation of Bitcoin is going to have that because individuals at that institution have gone down the rabbit hole. And so, you know, I always think it's going to be a story about the individuals and the individuals who end up running the institutions of the world. So it takes time. I think that's a fair way to look at it. All right, Alex, listen, 
you're doing a fantastic job. Please keep building what you're building. We need more Bitcoin only companies. Uh, and obviously from the, uh, the market uh, response, I think that it's pretty clear people want this. So uh, we're cheering for you and uh, we will have to do this again in the future. Thanks a lot, Pom. It was a pleasure.